Yes, coming in hot with episode 43 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who is buzzing because he's got his president out of a second impeachment jobber. I thought we weren't allowed to do Trump jokes anymore. I know we spoke about this off air, but I'm not allowed to do Trump jokes. No, look, I am buzzing because we've had the extended break, obviously, from the pod due to the Chinese New Year. Um, Year of the Ox, very important to me, as in strong as Anne. So I took a couple of days off. Um, No, look, absolutely buzzing to get back into it. I would have been more excited if you'd asked me Sunday morning if we were going to record after the shenanigans that were last night. That's very true. Um, what did you do for the Chinese New Year? Bit of a hot pot, or what'd you go with? <laughs> Soup kitchen? No, um, no, no, dim, no, dim look, I, no. It was just just a um, just a quiet sort of vigil at home, actually. Um, okay, just, very good. Yeah, just bringing the New Year with some push-ups. All right, big big episode. So we better get into it. We've got an opening question, a handful of weekly happenings, Premier League review, and then it's that time of year again where we look forward to the Champions League. A couple of fixtures there as well. Then we're into socials, but let's go. Opening question, what do you all got right, for All right, so me? Valentine's Day has come and gone already, and with all the mm. love in the air, um, like Manchester United were out there sharing points with West Bromwich Albion. Allison was giving gifts out on Saturday evening, but who do you think deserves the most love for their efforts so far this season? Oh, this is a bit of a later shout, but I think his first part of the season held up pretty well also, Alkai Gundogan. Oh, what okay. a season he's having. And if Pep didn't buy him a uh, dozen roses and some Ferrero shares for Valentine's Day for getting it done for him, I don't know who does deserve it because his form is unreal. And if the season ends right now, he is player of the season. So I think Gundogan probably deserves the most praise, especially from the ball fraud that is Pep Guardiola. Yeah, okay. What have you- what have you got? Yeah, so look, I, I think at this stage of the season, it was pretty tough, but I've actually gone for David Moyes, and the person who should be giving them love is Karen Brady. So we've spoken for weeks about how West Ham are so improved, and they're so they're so solid now, West Ham. Like, they're a real football team, and they used to be an absolute banter club before Moisey came in and started steering that ship. So if anyone should be giving some love out, it's Karen Brady to David Moyes. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. Moisey has done pretty well. Um, we had some critics on this show, actually, of uh, Moisey at the start of the year, but he, he has done rather well, hasn't he? Yeah, they're a bit flying. of form. They've got that old um, old Everton feel back to them. Don't yeah, they, West Ham? They're just not a joke anymore, which is the biggest thing for me. Like, they're not the butt yeah. of everyone's jokes. They're not trying to sign, you know, Jack Wilshere anymore. They're actually a serious football club. Um, so look, it's been. Yeah, it's, I mean, you got your Lingards in there, so they're not signing rejects anymore. It's good. Exactly. So um, moving on to a big week in football. So Upper Meccano from RB Leipzig. I think everyone's seen him. He's got quite um, quite a reputation developing. He has signed with Bayern Munich in a move that surprised absolutely nobody. What did you make of this? Oh, it's been going on for a while, hasn't it? Um, as you say, no secret. Good signing for Bayern and. I mean, they, they're already the best team in the world, as we'll get on to, and they just look to get stronger and stronger. So, yeah, yeah so decent signing. Alaba out, Upper Meccano in, um, like for like-ish, except Alaba's better. So uh, they also had the privilege of winning the FIFA Club World Cup. Did you tune into any of these games, or has that lost the esteem that it once had? Um, I mean, you call it a trophy. Mm, I'm not so sure. No, I didn't tune into any of the um, Club World Cup. I mean, is it a real trophy? 
That's the debate, isn't it? Uh, I think Andre Ginac actually got leading scorer, if you remember him, if you're a French football fan. But look, let's not talk about that anymore. So the other rumour this week that caught my eye was, is Sergio Ramos on his way out of Real Madrid? Alaba in, Ramos out? Oh, I mean, Mr. Madrid, you can't you can't imagine him in another shirt, really. I think I don't really remember him when he played for Sociedad. I think he came from, didn't he? Uh, Sevilla. Uh, Sevilla, was it? Yeah. Um, so I just can't imagine him not in a Real Madrid shirt. So it will be a bit odd, but if he does move, um, he'll definitely move out of Spain, and I'd love to see him in the Prem. Yeah, so what, his- if he was going to, to the Prem, what do you think the, the leading club is? I think Manchester United would be. It would be. He's yeah. old. He has Banter. big wages. Um, and Harry Maguire's looking over his shoulder. Last one is a bit of a blast from the past. So Alexander Pato. Do you remember this Brazilian wonder kid? AC Milan legend. AC Milan legend. Um, I'm trying to think where else he played, but he bounced around quite a bit. But he's landed in Orlando City. What a fall from grace. Mm, where careers go to die, the MLS. Yeah, if he'd gone to the Orlando Magic, might have caught my eye, but no, off to City. Him and, him and Shaq teaming up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big vooch now. Um, all right, so Premier League review. Where else to start but Leicester City 3, Liverpool 1. What have you got to say oh, about this game? I'm going to stay fairly quiet on this because I've been sent some detailed analysis from a friend regarding VAR, but what did you make of this game? I thought Liverpool oh. were all right. Yeah, I thought Liverpool were um, were decent, especially in the first half. They definitely had the the better of it out of the t- um, two teams, um, as I said, especially early on. And it's really just like that crazy 10-minute spell that they had, which really, really cost them, I think. But I think for large parts of the game, I thought Liverpool were the better team. Um, I mean, but at the end of the day, those mistakes from Allison, he carried on from last week where he had a couple of mistakes. And he's just carried that straight into to this game. And as I said, a crazy 10 minutes, which essentially just cost Liverpool all the all the points. I think, what did Leicester get their goals, three of their goals in six minutes or something like yeah. that? Yeah. So the first, first 70 minutes, I thought Liverpool looked much much improved from the last couple of weeks. Um, they haven't been fantastic. Kabak back there looked okay. Short things up was nice having a centre-back in there next to Henderson. Um, I thought Fabinho being out might hurt him a little more, but it looked relatively solid. Limited the chances for Leicester City. Barty hit the bar, that probably their best chance, wasn't it? Barty hit the bar. But then, like, you know, you can have a bad call, and they did get – I think this bar call is going to, like, send people barmy. But good free kick from Madison. Did enough. Potentially offside. I think it's a Marty, is it? Like, I don't want to go down the path of discussing this because, like, there's been so much going on about what is offside, what is not offside. Um, Nice free kick from Madison. Potentially offside. Don't care. But then Liverpool just imploded. Absolutely imploded. Lost their heads. And Klopp yeah. was going berserk on the sideline. Did you see him, like, yeah. especially when the second goal went in, he was waving his arms around just think, telling everyone to sort of get tight and bunker down. And I think at, when it went to one, I think that at that moment, Liverpool, you know, conceded two goals in, in three minutes. You think they'd need sort of someone to step, put their foot on the ball and just go, hey, everyone calm down, slow down, like we've copped yeah. two in a couple of minutes. Everyone chill out. Let's get our heads back. But they just they again they still ran around like they were completely lost with no real structure. Um, and then yeah, got picked off for the last one with uh, Harvey Barnes. Yes. So I suppose the talk the port. So Madison <laughs> tucks one in, but we can't just skip over this. I want to talk about this more because um, if you're a Manchester United fan, 
David De Gea was the best keeper in the world, and now he's a bit of a like he's a bit so-so. Allison last two years probably has been in the like maybe the best keeper in the world, if not in the top few. I'd say I'd say over the last two years he's been the best keeper. Yep. Yeah, except for maybe Dean Henderson at Sheffield United, but I take your point. Um, but that was that was absolutely comical. What is he doing? What is he doing? I mean, and there was, there was chat on the comms about. I thought he was going to kill him. There was yeah, there was chat in the commentary about um, who was to blame. Like at no point is that um, have anything to do with. Um, Anyone but Allison. You yeah. know, I mean, he can see the whole whole picture. He shouldn't have come out for it. There's no need to come out for it. No, nah, absolute brain fade. Um, and that's a, that caps like so. You've gone up against City, and he's had an absolute horror show there. And then against Leicester City, probably the second best team in the land right now, and he's had an absolute horror show again. All all these mistakes come in like a cluster too. Like if you wind your mind back to that um, Man City game, he made like three or four mistakes inside ten minutes, and similar here, he made a handful of mistakes inside a, a ten minute spell, but. I mean, it did look a bit comical and then, yeah, sure enough, it just falls to Vardy and he's not going to get an easier finish than that. I did enjoy that he like dribbled it all the way in and then blasted it from a yard out. That shit housery from Vardy. And then Harvey Barnes in the goal again. Harvey Barnes, I'm just going to put it out there. He's like a pretty, um, I'm not sure what the word is that I'm looking for, but he's like kind of an unattractive type player. He's a bit kind of clumsy looking. He's but he seems to, he's a bit raw. raw but he, yeah. I don't know, but he's not. He's quite effective. Gets another goal. Is he a chance for the Euros? I think he's an outside chance. I wouldn't. I can't see him starting in the Euros, but I can see him getting in the squad at least. Yeah. But having having said that, I mean those wide positions are absolutely flooded with talent. I mean, if you've got essentially got it across that front line, you've got sort of um, Madison, you've got Sterling, you've got Foden. You've got Sancho, um, yeah. you've got Grealish in there. Like, I mean, that uh, Mason Mount can play there. Like, they're just completely stacked in those positions. So, I think based on that, he, he'll probably miss out. But, I mean, yeah, I think he's uh, definitely one for the future. Nice to come through the academy. And he's played for England in the um, younger ages as well. Yeah, so and that's his eighth goal of the season, I believe. Um, so again, he just keeps he just keeps turning up, and he's doing enough. Like he's supporting Vardy, he's not the key man, but he just seems so dangerous. Yeah, I agree. His finishes improved from the start of the year, and especially from last year, you can see um, huge improvements in his finishing because that was really the last piece. Like he got into positions like that all the time, yeah. um, and his finishing let him down. But he's really sharpened that up. So I mean, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, Barnes getting on the plane, but what do you do with Madison? Is is he sort of um, – does he miss out? Does he get in the squad or does he get in the team? Where are you pitching him? Uh, he's, he's, he's in the squad. I don't think he's in the team, but he's definitely in the squad. And oh, if he keeps yeah. his current form up, then you can start talking about the first team. But I think he's, he's sort of still got a bit more work through. Because that, as you said, there's so much depth in that front third for England. Um, and the way Phil Foden's playing too, like – Phil Foden's got to be close to one of the first oh, teams. Geez. But yeah, back sure. to Liverpool for a second. So they've lost three consecutive games for the first time since November 2014 when they were managed by Brendy Rodgers. So not looking good for them, just performance-wise going to Champions League. They're still fourth, but fairly unconvincing last couple of weeks. What do you think? Yeah, oh, well, I've got that down here to sort of ask yourself. I think like if from the start of the year, Liverpool – would have set their goals, yes, we're going to try and win the title. And then what are we sort of – when we were sort of 15 games in when they were still um, at the pointy end of the table, 
again, you were just thinking, geez, someone's going to be have to be decent to, to beat Liverpool, even with all their injuries. But the injuries got worse, and now the form has slowed down. As you say, into fourth, are they resetting their goals for this year? And have they they've let go of the title? I think um, that's obvious. And, and Klopp has even come out and said that. So, what what are their goals now? If you're Klopp, what, what are you shooting for? Just just top four? Top, or what you've do you got to make. You have to make the top four. Like I just don't. I don't think. I think City are thirteen points in front with the game in hand. That's beyond you now. Um, I think mm. you write write that off. But the the real worry is um, six points behind Leicester City in third. Chelsea are one point behind them and are going to become better and better throughout the year now that Frank's gone. Um, West Ham are a point behind with the game in hand. Everton are two points behind but have two games in hand. And Villa also are, what, four points behind but they have two games in hand. So, like, everyone's within striking distance of you. And this league has just been ridiculous this year. They just have to finish in the top four. Have to finish in the top four. So I've got the same question for you um, about Leicester. So a huge win on the weekend, third at the moment. Um, obviously, they're unlikely to challenge Man City. I think Man City just um, keep getting better and better. I think the gap's too big to, to chase them down. So what are you expecting or what are you doing if you're Brindy? I, I don't know how to feel about Leicester City right now. I, like my... My gut is telling me that they're the second best team in the country, all things considered. Like they, everyone else sort of come up and down and dropped in and out, but they seem to have been there, thereabouts the whole time. Like they haven't been, you know, they were top of the league briefly, but they're sort of second, third, fourth. They haven't really dipped as far as the other teams, but they, like they've stayed there for longer. I feel like second position is and should be their goal. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, well, don't yeah, give I think... your understated crap. Oh, we just want to play your open league. Don't give me that crap. What do you think? No, well, I don't think they can catch Man City. I don't think anyone can, to be honest. Um, but yeah, they've got to aim for at least to get into the top four. And I think oh. if you're looking for an aspirational goal, that's a minimum. And if you're looking for an aspirational goal for Leicester, yeah, you, you try and finish um, second. And then, you know, you've gone from the Europa League, uh, making the Europa League last year, playing in it this year, to sort of taking that one step further again. Um, and I think getting into the Champions League will give them the opportunity and the funds to, you know, improve their squad. Because at the end of the game, Madison said, and made a really good point, which I've been trying to bang on about for the last couple of weeks, is that everyone keeps talking about all these Liverpool injuries. But, I mean, Leicester have a depleted squad as well. Um James Justin hurt his knee and he's out for the season as well. So oh, poor, another, poor another huge injury. I mean, we had um, we had Cags out for ages as well. Um, Ricardo he, he was missing for um, a, a big patch of the season. Barnes, we had Vardy out the other week. So you know, indeed, he missed the first half of the year as well. Oh, so cry me a river, mate. All right, I that's mean, we've got all, players, that's, mate. That's all we need. Let's move on. So Crystal Palace. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I swear to God, I'll mute you. No, I want to talk about um, the next couple of games. So Liverpool run into Everton next, which I think could be a catalyst where they can, if we're talking about um, you know pushing on and making the top four and creating a gap between Chelsea, I think that would do them good. Leicester, interestingly, play Aston Villa, which I think is a bit of a blockbuster and one not to be missed. Okay, now we can move on. All right, so Liverpool also have Leipzig during the week, which we'll touch on later. So think the fixtures are coming thick and fast for them, so they've got nowhere to hide. So Crystal Palace, nil, Burnley three. Not much to say about this one, but was there anything that impressed you about this performance from Burnley? Are they – they're safe, aren't they? 
Oh, that, this performance come out and this result come out of nowhere. Oh, I would love to hear anyone's opinion if they thought they were, um, Burnley were, were going to go out and batter Palace 3 0. I mean, yeah. who saw this coming, right? Potentially me, but I, I forgot to write it down. No, just honestly, I've watched them the last couple of weeks. They're, so, they're, they're quite workmanlike, but the shackles were off. Like, they looked quite good, to be honest. Yeah, I think it was shocking. I think it's the, their biggest win of the season. Um, these are two very agricultural teams in terms of playing style. And, yeah, I think Burnley were just um, sharper and their finishing was um, was good. Yeah, the big, on, thing, on the big thing for me in this game, I think, was the absence of Wolf Zaha. When Crystal Palace don't have Wolf Zaha, they will not win. And he just takes that, like the way that they play is so reliant on you know, teams, Palace absorbing all the pressure and then Zaha burns someone one-on-one and the game just breaks wide open. Like, Easy's, easy's very good, but Teke's handy, Batshuayi, eh. But, like, without Zaha in the side, they're just a completely different team. The early goals helped Burnley as well. Like, they scored in the fourth minute and the nine minutes. So, like before 10 minutes is up, they're, they're 2-0 up. And I think if anyone can, um, you know, dig in and, and protect a, a lead um, out of that sort of bottom, boys. bottom teams. Yeah, it's Doshi's boys. They're, they're rather tight at the back. So, um, as you say, they're probably safe. Um, they've got some big games coming up, though. So, they're eight points clear of the drop zone. But they play Fulham and West Brom in their next fixtures. That's so, big. yeah, it's huge. For Fulham and West Brom, and also for Burnley, I think if Burnley pick up three points in in either one of those games, yeah, I think that gap's just a touch too big at this point. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to another disappointing display, in my opinion. So we've got Man City, not them, three, Tottenham, nil. There's a bunch of stuff to talk about this game, but I just want to go straight to my main point here. Davison Sanchez. Like, like, like Gundogan's a very good player, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he did so much that you'd fall over. Yeah, I mean, he just got a hell of a ball Mm. um, by Edison. And when, do you remember when we were there at the Man U Man City game? um, And he was in the warm up, he was playing those long balls, and they were just absolute lasers like that. Yeah. So I I knew he had that in the locker, but what a ball. Um, Gundogan. Great run, and he's just bodied um, Sanchez early, and yeah, Sanchez lost his feet. Nice little chop back onto his um, left foot, and then a hell of a finish. And but I think to be fair to him, he was going down like he hasn't like broken his ankles there. He was on his <laughs> way down, and he's sort of like thrown his head in front of the ball to try and get any type of block on it. The old Phil Jones, um, which made it even more comical. Um, but n- not just on that save. But also the penalty, could Larissa do better? Oh, the penalty, the penalty. So he'll be absolutely gutted about the penalty. I think there's not That's much a- you can do, not much you can do about the last one, like one on one, like Davison Sanchez. Oh, he's got with his foot, mate. Yeah, what are you talking about? I it's know, weak. but it's, it's, it's not like, it's a pretty hard situation. But the penalty, he'll be very disappointed with that. Um, like he gets a good hand to it. I think he should have saved it once he got in that position, but it's obviously easy from yeah. the, from the Miley Andrew. Um, how has Man City got all that talent and all that cash and they still can't find a penalty taker? So I think this is their like sixth or seventh penalty taker this year and um, it was Rodri who took the pen and it was horrendous, that penalty. Yeah, not good. Um, it, not good and I think having got there, um, Larissa should have done much better. Um, 
But let's talk about Gundogan a bit more, right? So what about the – let's go back to the start with the pen. What are you thinking? Pen or no pen? Or is it one of these modern-day penalties? Uh, that's the answer I'm looking for. I think it's a modern-day yeah. penalty. Um, I think it was like a bit of a misfired Cruyff turn thing going on in there. Um, but then, so, yeah, yeah, it's probably a pen. I think Hoiberg makes contact because Gundogan miscontrols the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if, he, if he drags that back nicely, um, I think Hoiberg makes a tackle there. But he's like stepped on the ball and it's gone underneath his studs, which means his leg's there, the ball's not, and then, yeah, he's just collided into him. So after the game, Jose called it a, uh, a modern-day penalty. Mm. Um, that's what he likes to refer them as. Jose's a modern-day manager. He's, so I've got a couple of questions for you out of this game. What happens now in the Energy Drink Cup final? Do we read into this game? Yes, and we read into Tottenham's current run of form as well. Um, and I think City are going to absolutely walk it in. What yeah. do you think? Well, yeah, I think the gap between these, these teams is, is big. And you Has Jose on, got on one of his team. Jose Masterclass 1-0s in him, but... Because Harry Kane did hit the bar very early and it could have been a very different story if Tottenham were a better team. Nice free kick and I did enjoy Silva laying underneath the wall. Always like that touch. But, yeah, I think if you're going to back someone in a one-off game, um, I think you don't mind um, putting some money on Jose because he's wily enough to, you know, just play well enough and grind out a 1-0 win and win a piece of silverware for Spurs. But I think Spurs will enjoy the trip to Wembley and I don't think they'll be getting close to Man City. I don't think anyone will. I think probably the title is all but done. Nice little cameo at the end for Gareth Bale. Um, he finally looked like a bit of the old Gareth Bale with a, a, a nice strike and then some sharp footwork. Mm. Were you impressed with his little cameo? I was impressed with his little cameo, but the overarching theme there for me was um, he's probably not the probably not the standard of this game. And the thing I was thinking about towards the end wasn't even Gareth. I was thinking this is Manchester City without Kevin De Bruyne. That's what I was thinking. And I was like, look how good they are and look how good Gundogan, uh, Gundogan is and we don't even have Kevin De Bruyne in this team. I was quite scared, to be honest. I left feeling quite fearful for the rest of the competition. Is Man City quietly chipping away at a domestic treble? <sighs> I don't know. I feel like Bruno Fernandes might have something to say about that. Really? Okay. Yeah, just on the, just on the one, one day in May. One day in May. So what's that charity shield um, <laughs> league no. cup Premier League? Car- Carabao, and I think by April the Premier League will be all but done, and then they're still in the FA Cup, so that'll progress a few few mm, more plus the Champions well. League could be very interesting. Oh, it could be a big season, and they've completely flown under the radar. If I think, City had they- any fans, they'd be excited. Oh, there we go. There's a little jab. Um, but I think they've been flying under the radar. I think at the start of the year when they missed a couple of games um, to COVID and they were sort of rescheduled because they were like, you know, three games in hand and they were down in ninth at one stage. I think, you know, the table's a little bit misleading. Um, yeah. And now they're on this run of form that looks rather scary. Um, clean sheets galore, bunch of goals, um, and they don't even have Aguero back, still battling COVID from uh, back in January when he contracted it. Bloody hell. All right, so City stay first. Tottenham now in ninth, and that sets up a mouth-watering positioning because they're actually one spot above above Arsenal. One of those teams looking up and one of those teams very much looking down. But let's move on. Brighton, nil. Aston Villa, nil. So before I ask you about this game, just some context. 
Brighton had 26 shots in this game. What did you make of it? Well, I actually predicted this, um, and I had a little uh, little sneaky bet on this um, being a draw. I didn't pick the nil all part. Um, so, yeah, I think I saw this coming. Obviously, Brighton were the, the better team, and for me, it's more of a reflection of like the slide of Villa. I think recently they've just been so poor. The run of form that they're on um, at the moment is a bit underwhelming, isn't it? I spoke to a Villa fan today. Um, and he's a fan of the pod too. Um, he, he mentioned that a few times actually. He's a massive fan of the of the pod. And then secondary, he was a fan of Villa. Um, and he said, yeah, that he's not happy with the way that they're moving and they're on the way down. Whereas if you look at Brighton's last couple of results, got some big results that sort of pulled them out of that danger zone. So, yeah, two teams very much heading in the opposite direction. And I thought a draw was probably fair. But if you were going to lean to someone, you probably thought that Brighton were the most hard done by. I've said earlier in the season I've been impressed with Brighton's performances, and this was no exception. I thought they were the, I thought they were much better. I thought they really deserved to win. Um, I really enjoy the way that Brighton play football, and the movement um, of Trossard and Malpay up top is quite exciting. Basuma in the midfield is quite good as well, and they've got a workman-like back four that doesn't do too much in the way of attacking. But um, yeah, I thought they were pretty unlucky not to get points here. Villa can be happy with a draw, so Brighton. Uh, 16th now, so what a turnaround for them. Uh, no, 15th, sorry, on 26 points. Um, and Villa in eighth. So Villa go up, but as you said, their loss, win, loss, win, and their draw before that. So potentially the next game, who knows what's going to happen. So Brighton play, play Palace next in a, in a six-pointer. So that will be rather interesting. The other thing that um, I picked up this week was um, Matt Ryan's exit. So he did an interview um, with when he signed for now Arsenal, um, and he was saying that um, in Potter's team he got dropped, and he was a bit angry about that. Went into the his office, and Potter was sort of saying, "You know, you drop from the team, but work hard, and you'll get back." Um, sure enough, three or four weeks later, he found his way back into the team. Then he got dropped again, so he found his way back into Potter's office, and um, Potter sort of said to him. You know, you're out of the team. Um, you won't get a run in this team for a while now. Um, and, you know, thanks for your services. And then Matt sort of taken back by that and he's like, well, what do you mean thanks for my services? He's like, oh, in January, you're free to go. So yes. that's sort of how he got the news um, that he was not only dropped but being moved on from the squad. So, But since he's gone, geez, Brighton have been flying. So Club's good, better without him. Decision. All right, so next one is a result I actually picked. Um, not that anyone cares, but Wolves 2, Southampton 1. So Nuno rested a bunch of players in the FA Cup with this in mind. Um, Southampton's slide continues. What did you make of this game? Game of two couple. halves, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and a, a couple of juicy, juicy goals. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know which goal was this better. This strike. Inzy strike was a hell of a strike, but what, a, what about Neto's little um, roll? And, uh, and finish on the tight yeah. end. No, I, I'm, a, I'm a purist. So the break down the line from Armstrong, he's a quality player too, Stuart Armstrong. So Armstrong gets down the line, cuts it across to Ingsy, and that was violent from Danny Ings. Te- technically very hard to do coming across that left shoulder like that and to make that connection over to the far right-hand side, very hard to do technically. Yeah, and if that if that hits McCarthy, uh, sorry, if that hits Rui Patricio on goal, that kills him. No yeah. doubt in my mind. Honestly, Dead. he absolutely like belted that. You will not see a cleaner strike this year. 
That's all call, that the under, call the Undertaker if that makes contact. <laughs> oh, shit. Honestly, it had me out of my seat. That was ridiculous. But um, things turned quickly. So let's move on <laughs> to this handball. Is that a pen? Is that a modern-day pen? That's a pen. His arm's out. Uh, yeah, it's a pen. I'm not convinced. And a hell of a pen, too, by Neves. Jeez, he's really smacked that into the corner. There's no saving that. Yeah, he'll end up at Man City next year just to hit the pens. <laughs> yeah, he could probably. he could play at Man City. He's that good. And the ball for the next goal too from Neves to slide in Neto, even though he overhits slightly. Like on the volley, that was such a nice ball out across oh, to Neto. But what about that little spin turn? And then, <laughs> so I think I think Jan Bednarak comes across. Now he's been in the he's been in the news lately with his own goals and his red cards and whatnot. But this over those past four weeks, this has to be the most embarrassing moment. Out of all of them. It, oh, I suppose it, it is rather embarrassing for, for him, but I think if there's a goal that you want to concede, it is probably that one because you can probably put it down to a bit of brilliance. I mean, his, his other ones with the couple of red card, no, his red card that was overturned and then the peno and then the own goal, I think they're slightly more embarrassing because you can't, you, they're preventable, whereas this is just a piece of brilliance by Neto. So he's on the, what is he on the right touch line, turns. Yeah, right touchline, gets the ball on the outside, turns, and he absolutely mugs him off. Like, he's still looking for him. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Um, Could McCarthy have done better? Yes, he could have. It was a nice height to save, but I think he was still congratulating Neto for the turn. (laughs) So was I. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, no, look, I think it was a great goal from Neto, but I think there was also a bit of vindication in there for Nuno. Um, so, because he rested a number of players and basically got him knocked out of the FA Cup. Um, but Southampton, that's six league defeats in a row. So, that's a slide. That is a hell of a slide. Um, so, Austrian Klopp was quite disappointed with um, the penalty, but I thought the Wolves were far better for that second half. Um, but it was also only their second win in 10 for Wolves. So, they've hopefully arrested a slide, but Southampton are very much in one, aren't they? Yeah, tough. I mean, not to mention the slide, but throwing the, that no and nil. Um, yeah, it's ugly, isn't it? It's at Southampton. Yeah. I mean, is Ralphie's job in a bit of trouble? I mean, as you say, that's a hell of a slide. Throwing there a nine nil. Oh, it doesn't look good. I think if the, if it wasn't such a big gap between the relegation and like likely teams and everybody else, potentially, like you just there's no point doing it at this stage of the season. I like, think he's got what, three or four months now to turn around. But, um, yeah, that, that's a hell of a slide, like six in a row plus a 9-0. Um, I'm not sure who have they got up next. Uh, Wolves have Leeds and Southampton have Chelsea. Oh, geez, you don't want to be running into Tuchel's Chelsea, do you? Bloody hell. So not- make that seven in a row. <laughs> You're marking oh, it down okay. now. Uh, Leeds the following week, anything could happen. Everton, Sheffield United. Sheffield United are on a bit of run of form. Brighton, like... You know, it doesn't look good for Southampton. It doesn't look good, and I think we will be having further conversations about Ralphie's job in the coming weeks. So Wolves up into 12th, Southampton slipped down into 13th. Crazy to think they were top of the league, weren't they, at one point? At one point, not anymore. (laughs) All right, let's move on to two managers who don't have a clue what they're doing. Big Sam (laughs) at home to Ollie. One one. Oh, goodness me. So, like... As a purist, um, and you know I'm a man of football arts, I love the simplicity of West Bromwich Albion's game plan. Pump the ball into areas for Diani to get onto. And two, not even two minutes in, they did that. Is that a free kick to Manchester United? No. 
No, it's wow. not. It's Lindelof being absolutely physically dominated by a stronger man, isn't it? If you can't jump up for a header and try and get across your defender to score a goal, like who can you jump across? Like <laughs> who can you jump? Like I know this is. I know you. Uh, you're inclined to this toxic masculinity, but like Lindelof's got to be stronger there, doesn't he? Like you're a centre half. Yeah, you can't have that from your centre half. You can't have anyone jumping over them. No, not no, not in that position either. So that was very disappointing. I know there are a lot of appeals for a foul. I was watching that live and I thought there is no way that is a foul. That's just a good, strong centre forward play. If that was in the nineteen nineties, people would have been like high five and all round calling a goal of the season. Goal of season. What do you think about De Gea's effort? No, you can't do much about that. Lindelof's been absolutely bitched there, and that's a decent header. <laughs> Not blame, no, no blame for De Gea there. I think Lindelof's been absolutely mugged off and he should be quite ashamed of himself. All right. All right. So we, we move on to a slow and boring first half for Manchester United. Very uninspired, wasn't it? Yeah, I think like you're only missing um, Pogba. And apart from that, you sort of full strength. He bought Martial um, out on the left where I know he's been playing through the middle. Um, so Cavani looks like he's sort of cemented his spot there. So, yeah, Rashford out wide, Fernandez and in behind with Martial on the other side and Cavani up top. And you would have expected a little bit more, you know, urgency, ambition, faith in, in Manchester United's play. But um, they just weren't really weren't really getting any traction out of Big Sam's 4-1-4-1. No, but it was just, it was fairly uninspired, to be honest. And it was quite disappointing to see, like, it was, like, Manchester United dominated possession, but it was slow, it was laboured, there weren't any chances. No one really looked likely to get in behind or challenge them or create a chance. But if Manchester United get into a hole, the most likely solution is a Bruno Fernandes penalty. The second most likely is a Bruno Fernandes goal. And what a goal. Oh, it was a bit shin paddy, I think. Oh, stop but, um, it. No, come on, mate. It's hit his knee and rolled down. And, oh. <laughs> Tell that to Sammy Johnson. Bloody hell, he's picking it out of the back of the net. There was more shin pad in that than there was Wayne Rooney's bicycle against Man City. Oh, I did, yeah, he's pulling on the heartstrings now. I'm not going to hear that. So great strike from Bruno Fernandes. So we go in at one all. Probably unfair on West Bromwich Albion for me to not do that. But... Um, like second half, very similar story. Manchester United dominated possession, had a couple of chances. Harry Maguire potentially could have won the game there, but I thought West Bromwich Albion probably had the better chances to win the game. Yeah, yeah, not through like anything too creative, um, apart from you know getting it wide and whipping something in or, or playing a nice and direct. I think the the weather probably played a bit of factor. Like you mentioned, how slow Manchester United's um, play was, but I think the weather. Um, helped West Brom and, and their style and, and sort of their aggression getting stamped on the game more so than um, Manchester United's style of play. So I think that that played into Big Sam's hand. But, yeah, oh, I mean, at the end of the day, I think West Brom probably a bit hard done by not to get all three points. I mean, can you take off your Manchester United goggles and, and agree with that or not? No, I think so. I think as far as chances go, like if you if you were a person chances, who is yeah. – Yeah, if you're a person who watches – like the game, it says, oh, I mentioned I dominated the ball. They had so much possession. Like, you know, they did this beautiful FFA 4-3-3 thing we've got going on. If you're that type of person, you'd be like, oh, they deserved it. But really, the, like they had a lot of the ball, fairly uninspired. But West Brom had the big moments and the big chances yes, to win the yeah. game. Big Sam said, our big man and by scored a great goal today, but he could have had three. And I, I happen to agree with Sam. 
I think they should have yeah, won. I don't, know, I don't know three. Given his finishing ability, I'm not sure he'd have three. I think he had three chances, yeah. Yeah, but he's a beast and he just keeps getting in the – like he just kept getting in the spots to do it and he was just physically manhandling Manchester United's defenders. Um, so they probably could have taken three points today, which would have helped them a lot, I think, because that would be a fairly unexpected three points. Yeah. Doesn't really do anything for West Brom. I mean, they stay 19th, um, a long way from safety. Having said that, doesn't really do anything for Manchester United either. I mean, stuck in in second and they don't really look like they're chasing Man City. They just look like they're sort of floating around there. Um, what are, what are Occupying second Ollie's, spot. What are Ollie's ambitions? But I'm trying to thinking, I'm kind of thinking like if you're Man U, if not now, then, then when? Do you know what I mean? I think... Yeah. If you come back next year, I think Liverpool will be stronger and Chelsea will be much stronger. And I think Leicester will be stronger. So if you're not going to have a crack at Man City now, when will you? Yeah, that's it. It just doesn't have any ambition. And you look at the difference Tuchel has made at Chelsea um, immediately. But look, let's park that for now. So Manchester United have taken 10 points from the last seven games, looking horribly out of form. But let's move on to the next game. Arsenal for Leeds United 2. This first half performance from Arsenal, I think was the best half of football they've played in recent memory. And I have the memory of a goldfish, but like, what, what do you make of this Arsenal performance? Is this, have they turned things around or is it just another flash in the flash in the pan? Oh, I wouldn't say they turned things around just based on this game. I think obviously they're having, heading in the right direction. I think it was great for Bamiang to um, get his hat trick. Much needed for his confidence, and I think that it'll be good for him. He can sort of spin that off and, and see if he can um, sort of if he can do that moving forward and carry that confidence into the next couple of rounds. But I think what you got to do is sort of step back and look at it and just think, well, hang on, leads are rather leaky, um, and I think Arsenal sort of match up with them well. Like if you're going to go sort of toe to toe with uh, your leads, you and you are going to go toe to toe with a team. Um, Arsenal's probably not the best team to do that with because I think they can play, they can do what Leeds can do, but better because they've got like technically much better players. Yep. Like, um, I think Leeds will try harder than Arsenal, but I just think, yeah, if you're going to do it, Arsenal's probably not the team to do. So I wouldn't read too much into it considering Leeds are rather leaky at the back. W- what do you think? But I mean, so, uh, to be fair, it was a great performance from Arsenal. I think right direction, but not over. What do you think? Um, yeah, so look, I, I I agree with what you're saying, but I was watching that game as an eternal optimist, and from like the from the outset, Saka was absolutely breathing fire in this game. The combination of Saka, um, obviously Aubameyang got the hat trick, and he'll take the headlines, but I was absolutely impressed with the combination of Smith Rowe, Saka, and Odegaard. Like the the one touch passing, the movement, like they were just pulling leads. And granted, you're right, leads aren't the most difficult team to pull across the park. But, like, they were just absolutely pulling him across the park. And the great example is the first goal there where I think Saka's in the space, gets out of the space, so then Shaka can come in and get the ball, plays Aubameyang. Aubameyang gets onto that left-hand side that he likes, cuts in. Like, you've seen that goal from Aubameyang, what, 100 times. But, like, just that movement to open it up for him and the passing. Like, I know it's a fairly simple goal, but it was just really enjoyable to watch. I was interested interested to see um, Aldegaard come into the team and who was going to miss out. And um, so Pepe's missed out and that's probably fair, I think, based on um, Smith-Rowe and, and Saka's form. Also, interestingly, um, Lacazette has dropped down to the bench after a reasonable start to the season. He was their top goal scorer and now Bamiang with that hat-trick, you would imagine he sort of got his um, spot back in the team. 
Um, Xhaka didn't do Xhaka things and get sent off, so that was positive. And I thought Luis was um, rather okay as well. Yeah, they said they looked they looked very good. Arsenal, like all those things that you said that they didn't do, which was nice. Um, I don't know how much you can attribute to just that being Leeds, or if it really is turn the corner at Arsenal. But Odegaard, I thought impressed without doing amazing things. It was good to see him come in. Um, at the time of his substitution, he actually covered more ground than any other player on the pitch too. So he's not afraid to roll the sleeves up either. So if you're an That's Arsenal good. fan, well, considering sorry, LL, considering Elioski was on the on the field. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Um, if you're a Real Madrid fan, get excited. If you're an Arsenal fan, you've got six months to fall in love with this kid and then he's out the door. Remember, there's no <laughs> buy option. So um, good on you, Arsenal. Great bit of business. But great result for Arsenal. So they just, they jump over the top of Leeds United into 10th, just two points behind Spurs. Who would have thought? Um, Leeds drop to 11th. You just don't know what you're going to get, there. Nah. They're, they're a week-to-week prospect, aren't they? They are. But... I'll tell you who's on the up and up, and Scotty Parker's doing a magnificent job now. Oh. Fulham two, Everton none. Everton can't win at home, but can Fulham drag themselves out? I think they're making a good goal of it, but I just don't think. I think the, the gap is just too big, and I think sort of Burnley and Newcastle are just going to have too much for them to, to get out of the spot, or even Brighton for that matter, very much trending in the other direction. So I think if they're going to catch anyone, it's likely to be um, Newcastle given Burnley's run of form and given Brighton's run of form recently. So I think Newcastle are probably the ones in, in danger. But, I mean, that's still a hell of a gap for a team who hasn't won a lot of points. Yeah, so this was an interesting case study if you're an Everton fan because um, as everyone's come to realise this season, Everton are much better playing on the counter and this was an example of that today. I thought, um, obviously, Marjo with two goals, very impressive, but Lookman was playing like he had a point to prove. Reed impressive again. Um, great point, like great three points for Fulham here and nothing more than they deserve based on the performance, I think. Did, did you see uh, Marge's post-match um, interview? No, what's he done? Does it involve Duncan Ferguson or a right hook? It doesn't, no. Um, he said that uh, he got his two goals and he has he saw this coming. He saw the performance coming and he saw him scoring a double coming. So, I mean, that's good that he saw it. I don't think anyone else did, um, especially not against uh, Everton away and especially not given um, his goal-scoring form. So, yeah, I'm glad is he, he can is see. He's like some not. sort of... Like, can he see into the future or is he just like, oh, it had to happen eventually? That like law of averages suggests I'm going to score eventually. I'm a forward. I think he was leaning towards his hard work and um, his good form recently. I think that's what he's actually trying to say. But, I mean, no one else could really see it. So, nah, what a load of I'm shit. glad that he could. <laughs> um, so, Everton, just patchy, aren't they? Like, they're kind of like Leeds in that they'll, they'll can turn up and, and win um, – win a game of football against a, a decent team and then go and lose to sort of, you know, cellar dwellers um, the very next week. Their last five games, draw, loss, win, draw, loss. Yeah, so I, I don't know the exact number here, but I have a feeling that Leeds are much better on the road than they are at home. I don't know the exact figures because Manchester United are in the same category, but I think Leeds' home form is terrible. Uh, Everton's home form is terrible. Um, I don't have the figures in front of me, but they've just been so poor at home. Um, they just—I don't know. I think I think the problem might be that, like, when teams go and play Leeds, uh, Leeds, okay, Everton. Everton at Goodison, um, they go on the back foot. So 
like Everton have to create more chances and hold more of the ball, and they just don't seem capable of doing that. And potentially that's Carlo's like um, his loyalty to the four four two system. Maybe that's not conducive to him playing the ball from the back and all that, but they just seem so poor at home. Yeah, it could be that, or it could be that the stadium is fucking rubbish as well. It doesn't. <laughs> All right, mate. Jesus. Um, the other talking point in this game was Richarlison played what seventy six minutes. No, he played ninety. He got eleven touches for the whole game. Too much or not enough? That's <laughs> probably, probably a couple too much. No, that's terrible for a player who has such a big impact on whether or not Everton win or lose. And obviously, his support for Calvert Lewin is critical for that system. Um, eleven touches. That's. I feel like at that point, it's not like a footballing thing. You're just not working hard enough to get the ball. Yeah, and there's that for him. You obviously want to see him work harder and get into a space where he can get on the ball. But I think if you're Everton, you've got to find a way to get him on the ball. He's very much a barometer to how they play. I think if he plays well, Everton normally play well. And um, and as you know, Dominic Calvin-Lewin um, scores goals when um, Richardson's playing well. So, yeah, I think obviously part of it is on him. But part of it, I think, falls to Carlo and, and the rest of the Everton team. To get him on the on the ball, get him in a position where, um, yeah, you can isolate him one on one, and he can get some damage done. And I don't think they did that. No. So that's this week's fixture. So Everton uh, sit in seventh, I believe they stay in seventh, and uh, Fulham still eighteenth, but they've cut the gap to seven points between them and surprisingly Newcastle United. Possible, not probable. They'll get out. Mm, I think they're an outside chance. And the way Newcastle's been playing lately, I wouldn't mind them. So two games tomorrow. So you've got West Ham, Sheffield United. Who do you like in that one? Uh, West Ham, I think. Uh, their form has been rather good. Um, and Messi Lingard to continue his rich vein of form. Does Thomas Suchek get in the goals or is he suspended? I th- he's suspended, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he, elbowed, he elbowed Mitro. Um, yeah, so I think West Ham oh, should no, have... Oh, no, they got overturned. I think they got overturned. Sure well, not. look, if he plays, he'll score. Um, that's my take got? on that. I've got I've got the Hammers. I've got the Hammers comfortably. Um, and and, and then if Chelsea, Antonio plays, he'll score as well. Just take that on note. If he's not injured. And then Chelsea at home to Newcastle as well. Who oh, got this, this is a tough one. I don't know how many Chelsea are going to win by. Oh. Like, are Newcastle any chance? No, I don't think so. Just Chelsea's form at the moment, it's just it's nice, isn't it? They look good. They look like a top four team who aren't in the top four and look like they're on a bit of a march. So, yeah. Uh, so, so how many do you think Chelsea win by? I'm going to say 4-0. So, Chelsea paying $1.20. The draw is $6 and Newcastle at $11. So, a bit about, of value. What about Chelsea to win with Werner to score? That'd be pay about eighty bucks, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that'd buy out where you put burner in there. <laughs> Might put a deposit on a house with that. Um, all right, so we got we got um, one. Uh, sorry, two more games this week before Thursday. So Everton versus Man City, and Burnley versus Fulham. So Burnley Fulham, not too concerned. I think that'll be like an interesting game, but it's not a big one. Who do you like in Everton Man City, and like what are we going to see? Well, you mentioned how bad Everton's home form are. They are at home to Man City. <laughs> Man City on a hell of a run at the moment, and I I would pick Man City against any team in the world at the moment without hesitation, except for maybe Bayern. So, I'm um, you got to stick with Man City given their run of form. You can't. 
Yeah, I think I think Man City will do them by a few. When you said any team, I thought you were going to say except for Fulham. But no, um, you've said Bayern Munich. So, yeah, I think Man City will beat them by a couple, especially with Everton's home form. If Calvert-Lewin's out as well, it's only going to be worse. Um, and I don't think Carlo has the the cavalry to park the bus and keep Man City out. Dollar thirty for Man City and dollars for Everton. Yeah, that that is very generous. So look, let's move on to the UEFA Champions League. So it's back finally, and we kick off this week with RB Leipzig versus Liverpool. Wow, juicy fixture, isn't it? Yeah, it this is. is what this is what this is what um, the Champions League is all about. Liverpool, not the best run of form. Leipzig flying at the moment, so and they're at home this first leg too. Firstly, what does Klopp do with his team? That's the unknown. Um, and I think if you're Klopp, you probably got to look at the league and go, mm, "That's gone. Can I just hold on and pick up a Champions League spot?" And if you're going to have a crack at any trophy, it's got to be the Champions League trophy, doesn't it? If you're Liverpool. I like that they can just decide to have a crack at the Champions League. It's Champions League, mate. You don't just decide to have a crack. You've got to go all in. Um, That's what I'm saying. You go all in and then you let the league do what the league's going to do. It's such an interesting narrative, this one, because it could go either way for Liverpool. It might be nice for them to actually get out of the country, get away from the pressures of the Premier League um, and really cut loose here. But at the same time, Leipzig are a very functional team. Nagelsmann, one of the best young managers in the world and one of the worst dressers. But, like, they could absolutely cop it here, Liverpool. I agree. It could go either way. Um, I think Liverpool will probably try and keep it tight in, in this fixture. Um, probably play a little bit more on the counter. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just depends on who's available for them. Milner limped off and um, Thiago come on inside the first half on, on the weekend. So, yeah, just another one to Klopp's injury list. Uh, so, yeah, who, who knows what team they're going to go with. But I, if, you, if you're going to make me tip, I'll probably lean towards Leipzig given the strength of both these teams at the moment. They are at home at the Puskas Arena. Who are you leaning towards? Um. So I'm actually going to go for Liverpool in this one. So Liverpool are unbeaten in their last five away games against German sides in all competitions. Last defeat was in 2002. And um, I I just think this could be the catalyst for change, taking away the pressure of the Premier League. I feel as though that's that's a little bit misleading. Very much so. The fact that their last defeat was 15 years ago means they probably haven't played that many games. But no, I think I think this is the catalyst here for Liverpool to turn things around. The pressure's off. Like, they get to go away to Europe. Nice trip. Um, Leipzig are going to get on the front foot, which I think is good for Liverpool in a sense because Liverpool, um, like, to have Mane, Salah, they can really hurt teams on the counter. And I think that high-pressing style is going to be um, really good against Leipzig. So I think Liverpool are going to win this one and go. they'll go through eventually. $2.87 for Leipzig, $2.30 for Liverpool. I'm surprised so Liverpool's favourite, to be honest. Me too. <laughs> um, not, Me too. No disrespect, but just current form um, and after right, the so on the weekend. We disagree with that get that fixture, which is interesting. So we'll see how that pans out. That's good. Um, all right, so the Neymar derby, Barcelona versus PSG. Holy shit, what a game. <laughs> what a game. So who do you like in this one? No Neymar. No Neymar. I just want to put that out there straight away. Uh, do you think that's deliberate by uh, Nene or is he um, actually injured? Uh, it's his sister's birthday apparently. 
Oh, what? You're telling me? <laughs> they took his no, four, he's in four weeks with an injury, but it's his sister's yeah. birthday. Allegedly. I know Neymar listens, so if he is listening, um, it's a, it's allegedly. But, Come on, Nene. No, I, I'm, I'm probably leaning towards PSG. Um, I just think Barca are just a little bit patchy in this competition. Um, I know they've been doing rather well in the um, in La Liga recently, but – I just think PSG got too many guns for them at the moment. Um, interesting to see that how sort of Pochettino picks this up, like because he didn't get them through the group stage. Mm. So I think that'll be an interesting dynamic to see what he does um, with PSG, having not done any of the heavy lifting, and then to find himself into the um, into the knockout stage. So that'll be interesting. Um, Barca have won their last five games um, in the Liga. So looking rather strong, um, but a long way off the top. Oh, you just got to go to PSG, I think. Yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah. That's interesting. I actually think I'm going to go the other way. Barcelona at home. Barcelona, as you said, haven't lost in, I think it's about a month. They went down to Bilbao, who are a pretty good team in the Copa del Rey, I believe. Could be the Super Cup. Um, PSG have been pretty unimpressive for the last, month or so like they're not they should be shooting the lights out in league one and they're just not doing it currently in second as well one point behind Lille, yeah yeah but that that's not a position they're accustomed to in league one mm. um, yeah that's a fail for them for sure but it, it's really exciting to see what poch can do with um psg in these knockout stages because obviously they have like high expectations and a massive budget and they want to go and win the champions league but a leo messi inspired barcelona in the champions league is a very difficult prospect so i think this home leg, I'm going to tip Barcelona to win it. We split again. Just to win the tie, just to win this match, not the whole tie. Just to win this match, and if Neymar can make it back for the second leg, then they'll overturn it and they'll go through. Yeah, so I think Liverpool's going to win the first tie but lose the first game, and I think PSG will win this first game and win the tie. Okay, yeah, so I reckon PSG will win the overall, but Barca, yeah, Barca are going to win this leg, and I think it's going to be Messi-inspired. He's made for these occasions. These legends of sport, they tend to step up, Sean, so you'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Next one, this one's the wild card, isn't it? This could be anything, this game. So Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund, who do you like in this one? Probably Dortmund, I think. Um, And, I mean... If there's ever a reason to lean towards Dortmund, it's got to be for um, Halan. I think he loves the Champions League. He gets up for it. Um, and I just think the run of form he's in um, and the way Dortmund play, um, especially away from home, will really suit them in this fixture. Sevilla, Wiley, Cats, as we mentioned on this pod a couple of times. But I think Dortmund will be too good and um, Halan will, will get them through here. Not only in this fixture... But the tie as well. What oh, do you think? Geez, that's a big. So Dortmund currently sixth in the Bundesliga. Sevilla um, up to oh. I believe they're fourth now, and they've won their last five. That's right. But what I like about Sevilla and why I think they will win this game is their miserly defence. They've only conceded sixteen goals in twenty-two games in La Liga. Um, I just think they're such a well-organised team. I was really impressed with them towards the end of the last season in the Europa League. They've carried that form on into the league. Dortmund have been very, very patchy. One ten, drawn three, lost eight. Um, like I just, I just have no faith in Dortmund right now. So really? I'm gonna, yeah, they're just so up and down. Like I've seen some absolute shit from them this season. There's been some good performance, a lot of goals, as you said, 
but my mind just can't get over the five-one defeat to Stuttgart in December. That's absolutely <laughs> haunted me. Um, so Sevilla not that potent though going forward. I know you mentioned there how tight they are at the back, but um, not that potent going forward. And I just think that Dortmund play very differently in the Champions League than they um, do the Bundesliga. So. Hence, I'm leaning towards Dortmund. This is good. We're split on every single game. Such is the beauty and mystique of the Champions League. But You're going to get mugged off here. I think we're going to reach a level of a grant. So we are in the Champions League knockout stages. You have Porto versus Juventus. This stage is made for one man, is it not? Big fella. He was on holiday this week. I saw on his Instagram. So um, I think he'll be well rested. <laughs> Lost in the league too. But you know he does not care. No, well, I think, is the league gone for Juve? I mean, they're eight points off the pace in Serie A. Um, Only won three of their last five. Defensively, they are rather tight. Um, But, yeah, just not getting the goals going forward. So I think you can't go past the big man. You know that he is one of the pod's favorite players and we will not hear a bad word about him. So I just think the big man will get it done. Um, I'm tipping a Ronnie Hattrick here and um, Juve to go through. <laughs> a Ronnie Hattrick on, on the away leg in a Champions League semi-final. Have you lost your goddamn mind? I haven't lost it. And we're, we're not in the um, semi-final either, mate. So. Uh, okay, so quarterfinals. Um, so, no, look, I'm going to be far more circumspect. Um, Porto, again, quite up and down lately. As you said, Juve's form hasn't been great, but this is a fairly favourable draw for them at this stage. Um, so I think I'm going to tip Juventus here. I think Ronnie will get on the score sheet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Porto, they're a bit unpredictable in this stage of the competition, obviously having won it before under the great Jose Mourinho. But... Ronnie's got 16 goals this year, and he loves these stages, so I think he'll get them through quite comfortably. Yeah, like I think, like Porto, they're probably the biggest underdog going into this um, this round of games, to, to be fair. Um, Juventus was seeded going in, so yeah, I think they, they sort of deserve a, a game like Porto. Um, and yeah, sure enough, they got, a, as you say, a favourable um, draw, and I think they'll be too good. But I think Porto won't disgrace themselves. No, no, they'll be they'll be up for it. Um, Moraga up top has will present some challenges, but yeah, just I think they'll be way too good. Another thing to keep an eye out for in this game for right, and you've predicted okay. a Ronaldo hat trick. Anderson, no, no, Pepe. If yeah. things are going downhill for Porto quite quickly, you will see the dark arts of football at some point in this game. He does get very kicky and very elbowy. <laughs> he does. He does. He might have a bite in him now. I think, what is he, 36? Oh, no. He wouldn't go that low. Oh, you wouldn't mind to see it, would you? Um, all right. So that's it for this week. So if you want to get in touch with us, um, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, uh, Instagram, footballplayedonpaper, Twitter at footballplayedonpaper, and also I'm missing one, oh, Twitter at footballonpods. So reach out, um, send us an email if you want to get in touch with the show. That's it for this week. That's it. We're on time for once, so enjoy your early market run. Mm-hmm.